0: We hope you're enjoying the Mutual Audio Network. Stick around, there's much more to come.
1: The following audio drama
2: is rated PG for parental guidance.
3: This podcast is a serial narrative. A story told episode by episode. Consequently, your listening journey would be best begun at the beginning. That's Carver Cranebottom, Bone Detective, Episode 1.
4: It is the year 2015, and life has lost all meaning. What once was up is down. What once was right is wrong. And those who dare to make a podcast which subversively reanimates the dead art of radio theater are considered dangerous criminal outcasts. Driven into exile, four pungent brigands risk their lives to broadcast from a South Seas barge crudely fashioned from the disintegrating corpse of an ancient titan and several thousand yards of cooking twine to bring you the triumph, the majesty the sublimity of rude alchemy.
3: Previously on Carver Cranebottom Bone Detective.
0: That's it, lads. Put your backs into it. Twenty pounds to the first man who brings our treasures to light. I'm Police Constable Runyon. This is Police Constable Basalt. I heard the screams around the time the thunderstorm rolled in. I've never seen anything like this, have you? I haven't. But I may know someone who has. Carver Cranebottom, PhD. Where are these bones you're so anxious about? The bones are missing. And so are the poor fellows who are digging them up. The imprints are much too large to be human or any beast of the modern era. And you say there is only one surviving witness? A professor of ancient history or some such thing. Apparently the leader of the dig but a regular lunatic now, Carv, They have him at the St. Morris Asylum. Not long ago he begun scribbling this. That's nonsense. Pure chicken scratch, I'd say. What you call chicken scratch is actually a cipher, a code. Well, what does it all mean, Carv? Dr. Dandeduff was my patron, as you will remember. Carver bottom in my home!
1: Want me to help you on your fantastical missing bone adventure?
0: Why should I? Why, you foolish, short-sighted, jealous old shell of a man!
1: Look at you! Clutching my lapels so fiercely! Good heavens! Release my master at once! Let's have a look at that cipher of yours.
0: Oh, good God! Wes, no! Ah! He's thrown himself from the window!
4: Stay where you are! Help! Help! My master is dead! Ah, you've returned. I can't say I'm surprised. Our last episode was so intensely mind-altering that we lost all faith in the fragile strictures holding this tepid existence together. What are you prepared to lose this time? Your mind your heart your very soul oh it makes no matter these losses pale in comparison to the acquisition of another listen to carver crane bottom bone detective
3: carver crane bottom bone detective is brought to you by bouvier's eating tobacco delicious as a salad or a garnish choose bouvier's when you want thick hearty leaves that you can really sink your teeth into
4: Clanging hinges, raw ankles and wrists, and the fevered, frantic, violent air of captivity, and of men cramped and shackled in a building altogether too small for them, that heaving, shifting mass of broken humanity, incapable of the slightest adjustment from their rigid positions. No, I'm not talking about Congress. <laughs> okay, that, that, that part wasn't in the script. The last thing I want to do is get into a political thing. But everyone can come together against Congress, right? No? Really? Okay, moving on. When we last left our dear hero, he had just witnessed the shocking and sudden suicide of Dr. Wesley Dendeduff, occurring immediately after the good doctor had cracked a mysterious cipher as Carver was the sole witness of the gruesome scene, he was also the sole suspect. So despite the vigorous protestations of Basil Basilton and Carve himself, Officer Runyon, emboldened by the testimony of Deborah the Butler, threw our hero into the London clink to rot like last year's Christmas pudding in an unventilated crawl space. Sounds rather bleak, does it not? Well... The silver lining on this guillotine is that our boy Carve managed to snatch the snippet of code cracked by Dandaduff before he was unduly detained. Inexplicably the snippet read. Slash, slice,
0: sink, or sliver, the tickler's grin will deliver. But what could it mean? What is the tickler's grin? Why the elaborate code? Why did this impel West to commit suicide? Why don't you shut your fat gob for a
1: minute? I beg your pardon. You heard me, and I've heard you. I've been hearing you go on. And on and on about this code and this suicide for the whole bloody morning. And frankly, it's making that part of me that likes to break things and hurt people start to itch. And I just know, when I start to itch, it won't be long before I have to scratch.
0: Now see here, you... Uh, uh, Now, uh, what, what exactly is your name? Butcher. Butcher Bagwell. Ah. Well... Nice to make your acquaintance, butcher. Likewise. My name is Carver Cranebottom, PhD. Oh, yeah?
1: Carver, eh? Butcher and (laughs) Carver. We just need us a candlestick maker, and we'll be ready to shove it up little Jack Horner's ass. (laughs) (laughs) Won't we, (laughs)
0: carve? Um, I'm not sure that's how it goes. You're not so
1: nimble now, are you?
0: You little plum-stealing twat. Um... We'll
1: rubber-dub your fat wife's stupid face in our tub, too, you skinny git.
0: I don't think that's the
1: same Jack. Teach you to steal other people's golden eggs and personified musical instruments, you incompetent cow-hopping pigies! Butcher! I'll kill you, Jack! I'll kill you! Butcher!
0: What? Oh, sorry. Sorry about that. Got a bit carried away. <laughs> so, what you in for, Carver? Oh, it's all a terrible misunderstanding. You see, I'm a bone detective. A what? Bone detective. Yes, that's what I thought you said. And in the course of my bone detecting, I was the sole witness of a crime. Now, due to a blundering butler named Deborah, I have been wrongfully imprisoned. Deborah? It's an old family name. What are you in for? I lost a lot of money to a partner of mine.
1: end well, I tried to kill him.
0: Was it Jack? Who's Jack? You know, um, from the fairy tales.
1: Where'd you get that stupid idea?
0: Okay, I was just, you know... Honestly,
1: uh... really? You think I tried to kill a fairy tale man? Does that even make sense, Carver? Ask yourself, ask yourself if that makes sense. I, uh... Go on, go on, say, Carver... Does that stupid, bloody, ignorant question I just asked Butcher Bagwell make the least snuff of sense? Really, I... No, it doesn't. See, I answered it for you. No, Carver, it doesn't. Well, I guess I'll shut my jab buttonhole then and let this nice man Butcher sit here in peace for a blooming two seconds. Fine. You know what? I'll just
0: leave you alone. In fact, I'll walk over here and... What's going on here?
1: You didn't know? Prison's on a chain shortage. Two con wicks of chain. A chain shortage? That doesn't make any sense. Oh, really, Carv? A chain shortage doesn't make sense? I suppose me killing a bleeding, non existent, imaginary, children fairy tale man makes sense. Or, or there being so much bloody bone crime in this city that it justifies creating a subgenre of detective exclusively for bone
0: related mysteries.
1: Sure! detectives make much more sense than chain shortages. All right,
0: fine. I guess we're stuck together. But not for long. What? All right, you two, against the wall, you're being transported. Mom's the
4: word, eh, Cobb? Moments later, Carver and his aptly named companion were hustled into the prison's horse-drawn buggy. Steam rolled off the horse's thick, muscled backs like smoke from a fire. The magnificent beast haughtily snorted as the guard paddled them down, hitched the carriage, and vaulted to his seat high above the bustling street corner. The guard was one of those unfortunate fellows whose speech knew no filtration. His monologue was so incessant that one might suspect it continues uninterrupted, even after all other parties disperse.
2: And that was the end of my first year of prison guard training school. I had made a lot of friends, learned new things, and shot my teacher one time, but that was on accident. Year two, a fresh start. The leaves were changing, and my best friend, Rinaldis Tetherpot, came bounding up to me, clutching his books to his chest excitedly. Did you hear about Headmaster Wiggins and his flatulent parrot? he exclaimed. Why no, I replied, even though I had. I liked the humor, Rinaldis. He was a sensitive boy, and I felt protective of him, like a father or an older brother. I would come to learn a lot about Renodus that fall. More than I ever dreamed, for you see, Renodus
1: and I.
0: Dear God, will he ever shut up? Shh! Keep it down!
1: At least it keeps him busy. Listen, we're making a break. What? You heard me. I'm busting out and you're coming along. Fantastic. What's the plan? Not so fast, Bones. We've got to make a deal first. What deal? You think I'm going to bust you out for free? I can get out any time I want. I'll bring you along on one condition. You help me with the, um... Bone-related robbery.
0: Oh, so suddenly we're in favour of bone detecting. All right. We don't think bone detecting is so stupid anymore, do we? All right. We need bone detecting. We love bone detecting. We want to marry bone detecting. Stop
1: saying bone detecting. Yes, I need your bone skills. I need your bone skills really, really bad. You might say, oh, I have an inch. And the only your deep, solid bone skills can scratch it.
4: Okay, when he says that, he doesn't mean... You
0: know. Fine. You break me out, I'll assist with your burn-related heist. Deal? Deal. Now, what's the plan? Do I subtly distract the guard while you quietly yet efficiently commandeer the horses and guide us to a blacksmith we can bribe to undo these chains? Something like that. Hey, the Changes.
2: Yes, not only in the leaves, but also in my own heart. But was not as strong as he was during our freshman season. No, his pallor was somewhat alarming. And though he still met me on the squash court at all this day, his service game was not the brisk, vibrant force it once was at. Yes?
1: Take this! Ah!
5: Yeah. 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 Uh. Die! No. Die, you Die. bastard! Die! Uh.
1: Dear God! How's that for a plan?
0: That was absolutely...
1: horrid! Yeah don't call me butcher for nothing. Come on, this is the spot. <laughs> tie him up your horses. I,
0: I, I... What's the matter with you? That, that, that man, you you, you just... Uh... <laughs> Fun, wasn't it? <laughs> well, hardly, I, I've never... Come
1: on, wipe that drool off your lip and tie up those horses. Certainly, but... Where's the key for the shackles? In my pocket. And that's exactly where it's going to stay until you've held up your end of the bargain. Come on, this way.
4: Much to Carver's surprise, Butcher Bagwell had led them to the world-famous British Museum renowned for its historical exhibits, with which Carver was intimately familiar. And by intimately, I don't mean he penetrated the exhibits physically or that they penetrated him. So please, wipe that grin off your face, listener. Thank you very much. You know, I'm really sorry. I know you didn't think I meant that at all. I I really do. I just feel like any time I mention anything that could be construed as remotely sexual, I have to comment on it. I can't stop myself. It's, It's really hard for me in social situations. You know, like... When married couples say something like, Oh, you know, Susan and I are trying. And then I just have to say, You mean having sex, right, to make a baby? I... I don't know. Anyway, shortly thereafter, Carver and Butcher entered the famous British Museum, disguised cleverly as tour guides. And if you're wondering how they managed to procure... Your tour guide uniform so quickly, well, perhaps that's best left to the imagination. I murdered two tour guides with a lead pipe and took their uniforms. Ah, well, there it is. On with the story.
0: I say, Butch, this uniform fits a bit snug. Oh, really? I, I can get you another one. Uh, no, 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 that's all right. Really, it's no trouble. I appreciate the offer, but... Uh... It'll just take a minute. Oh, no, no, really, thank you. All right, suit yourself. Where have you
3: two been? What? I've got a group of Spaniards waiting for you at the Egyptian tombs and a convention of Oriental businessmen waiting for the natural history exhibit. Chop, chop.
0: No, you, you misunderstand. Shut it, it? Uh,
1: Right, we'll take care of that straight away. Go. Come along, Calf.
0: What are you doing? I, I thought I was here to do some bone detecting. You are,
1: but we got to wait till nightfall. Meanwhile, let's be the best goddamn tour guides
0: we can be. This specimen, as you can see, is from the Cro-Magnon period. And these are the things with ancient ladies wore on their nipples. And also they could fly. Ah, great question, Wangsu. A fossil is of non-human origin, however an artifact is a product of human activity. And one time the tyrannosaur boffed
1: a cave lady, and that's how come now there's giraffes. Well that's it boys. Time to pack it in for the day. Off you go. We we, we might stick around a bit, Guff. Stick around? After closing? Out of the question. Out of the question, eh? Butcher.
0: What, Guff? He don't want us to stick around. Listen, my good man, this isn't my usual modus operandi, but I'm afraid I must threaten you as subtly as possible with physical violence if you continue to hinder our plans this evening. Plans? Why, you insubordinate plebeians! In my two and a half weeks as
3: secretary to the assistant to the tour guide manager, I have never been spoken to this way. I insist you give me your name so I can recommend you for termination. We're
0: not really tour guides. Right, we're criminal murderers. Well, he's a murderer, I'm not. Well, with. you're at least an accessory at this point. I, I don't like to think of it that way, that those murders were independent of my We're not on our strictly mathematically speaking. How so? Well, I killed two tour guides to get two uniforms. If it were just me, I would have only had to kill one. I suppose that's true, but had you consulted me, I would have recommended a chemical sedative or a well-placed nerve pinch so as to avoid the taking of human life. I don't get all high and mighty. I saw that look on your
1: face when I got to the last one. What? <laughs> that be absurd.
0: I, I abhor violence.
3: Ha! Oh, God. Imposters!
1: please!
0: Quiet, you! <coughs> Dear God, what have I done?
1: You just gave him a little smack and knocked him down, that's all.
0: Now, why don't you finish him? What? Of course not. Uh, uh, we'll tie him up, yes.
1: Now, nah, what's the fun of that? Does that sound like fun to you, mate? Actually, that sounds like more fun than any other idea, you two might. Shut it. Butcher, <coughs> stop it. Right, right, my apologies. I did promise you could finish him up. Go ahead, then. Here, borrow my lead pipe. I... (sighs) ...refuse. You've got that look on your face again, Bones. No, I haven't. What look? It's hard to describe. My father, he had that look. He was the real butcher. And a real mean bastard. Every week, on slaughter day, I'd come down early in the morning to help. Way early. Well before the sun. And he'd be sitting there, with that look on his face, as if he'd been up for hours already. I think maybe he had. We'd go in the back, and he'd hold the piggies by the chin. Slice. And they would scream. And he never said a word till it was done. Then the look would drain away, and he'd be bloody, and tired, and disappointed, and mean as ever. It went on that way, until the sickness wiped out our head. With no piggies left to slaughter, I didn't see that look for quite some time. That is, until one day I walked into the back and saw my dad holding his slaughter knife and pointing that look at me. Well, he didn't count on me being faster than a piggy. So I grabbed the knife, jumped on his back and held his chin. Slice. I walked out when I caught my reflection in the glass of the shop next door. You know what I saw? That look on my face. Same as you got now. It was then that I knew who I was. Same as my pop, a butcher. We've all got a little butcher in us, a calf.
0: The museum guy got away.
1: Damn it, Credit Bottom, how'd
0: you let that happen? You, know, you were the one who had to take five bloody minutes to tell your bloody origin story. It was good. I was distracted. Don't tell me it's good. I know it's good. I want a damn sort of story contest.
1: Come on, we've only got a couple of minutes before the fart sends every carpet in London down on us. We're heading down to the museum, Crips. Time to put your bone skills to good use. Now get behind me and
4: prep yourself to slide down the tunnel. I don't even... I, I wasn't even going to draw attention to that one, but... He meant it literally. It's not a double entendre, really. I'm sorry. One, two, three. Whee! At first, only darkness... Then, slowly, light from the tunnel opening began to mingle with the dusty expanse of the crypt. All manner of ancient horror was incrementally illuminated. You see, the the crypts housed the museum's unnatural treasures. Those items of such twisted and unexplainable curiosity that the curators daren't let them see the light of day. There, a tiny man no taller than a drinking glass, perfectly preserved in a crystallized sphere. Here, a Roman coin depicting a monstrosity in Caesar's garb. There, an enormous church bell, ordinary, other than the gnarled, fleshy fist serving as the clapper. Perhaps strangest of all, a veritable heap of sarcophagi, piled high as a pyramid themselves, almost carelessly... Priceless artifacts, all yet discarded and forgotten like refuse by a roadway. What unnamed terror prompted some long-retired curator to banish these treasures to a dusty cellar for countless decades? Unless it wasn't terror. And it was just that the museum bureaucracy didn't properly process the incoming artifacts. You know bureaucracies... Like when I tried to get a waiver from jury duty because of my severely sickled left foot. Yeah, I know I didn't mention that yet. But I walk with great difficulty because my left foot sickles severely inward. It's involuntary and it is real. Please don't even begin to make judgments. It's radio, but if I wasn't here, I would gladly show you this thing. Long story short, the... It screwed up my waiver request because they processed it like I was claiming economic hardship and really it was physical hardship. So sickled for to know I had to show up to jury duty. Anyway. (sighs) Mountain of sarcophagi. My heavens, there are hundreds, no, thousands,
1: thousands of sarcophagi, Right, and there's a bunch of coffins for mummies too. Now in one of them is the item I'm looking for. The item that's going to make me a lot of money. You find it quick, and I'll unhook you, and we'll be on our merry way. What's the item? How uh, the places should I know? My employer said the box was a special one. Said it would uh, stick out like a sore thumb to a bone detective. Wait a tick. Your employer specifically instructed you to hire a bone detective? Oh, not this again. Yes, I need your hot, sweaty, bone skills and items. No, 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 no. It's, it,
0: it's just that there can't be more than two or three... Dozen bone detectives in this city, It would appear to be quite a coincidence that I happen to be salmated with you, a criminal in need of me, a bone detective. I-, I don't know, Carve. Is it a coincidence that my one testicle is four
1: times larger than the other? No, Butcher, you should really see a doctor. Oh, is it a coincidence that I spend my weekends living as an adult baby? pooping my pants and enforcing prostitutes to change me, is that a coincidence? No, not at all. Or is it a coincidence that in prison I wrote a one-act play for the prisoners to put on for the guards but no one wanted to do it and my one cellmate said it was a dumb idea so I pretended I was just joking but I really wasn't because I had already finished my second draft and started some of the casting but I was too embarrassed to admit it so I just played it off and hid it under my bunk. Is that a coincidence?
0: No, none of these things are coincidences. Oh, well, then I guess I don't really know what
1: coincidence means then, do I? Can we please move along and start like analysing everything that happens? Hurry
0: up and find it then. Oh, uh, well, uh, of course. Uh, like a sore thumb, you say. Yes, easy as pie. And I am looking... And I am seeing... What I am supposed to be seeing on the sarcophagus in question. Which is, of course, this one right here. Or maybe is it this one over here? Uh, Are you out, Ministro? No, no! I've got it! I've got it! (laughs) As you can plainly see, they're all of Egyptian origin, elaborately decorated on all four sides. Go on. Except for one. This one. It's identical to the others, except it is only decorated on three sides. You can see that this side is totally blank. Go on. Egyptians decorated all sides of their sarcophagi because they were left in the center of the burial chambers. However... The Romans and the Celts decorated three sides, as the sarcophagus was always built against a wall. You said it would stick out to a bone detective. Well, this is causing my little bone detective to stick out most excitedly. I can't defend that. He's talking about his penis. Whatever's in that sarcophagus is not Egyptian. It's something Celtic, or Roman, pre-Anglo-Saxon, anyway. Oh, I'm a Presbyterian myself. Well, all right then,
1: open her up and hurry. The coppers are sure to be notified by now. Give me a hand.
4: As the stone lid tumbled to the ground, a wisp of dust poofed up from the open sarcophagus, momentarily blinding our subjects. With their eyes closed, a hollow, bodiless scream passed their ears and rattled briefly in their scrolls before continuing its escape out into the ether. As the dust settled, an evil, yet yeah. a mighty gleam emanated from the darkness inside the box.
0: What's in there? Hmm. Why, it's some sort of ancient dagger. Magnificent. All right, that must be the thing. Give it here. Now, just hold on a minute. I've never seen anything like this before. I, I want to take a look. No time for that, carb. I'm not going back to the clink. The curvature is most peculiar. A half-moon-shaped blade with large, almost tooth-like serration. Yes, Fascinating. Hand it over, Cream Bottom. I won't warn you again. When you held it a certain way, it almost appears to be grinning. Dear God, the tickler's grin from Doctor Dandadoff's
1: cipher. Bottom, give me my payday right now, or I'll brain you. No. Hand it over. Never.
0: Come on, come on, get it, give it, yeah, give it. Aha. Yeah.
1: Oh, this is a nice-looking knife, there, Carvoe. Feels good in my hand too. Let's see how she cuts, shall we? Did you ever feel a blade touch bone? Or it'd be a lark for a bone scientist like you. No! Stay back! Stay back! Alright, bone detective. Let's have a look at your bones.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Damn you! Cream bottom! Uh. Who? Who are you?
4: gunshot come from what does the sinister grinning blade mean Whose menacing footsteps approach our hero carver crane bottom bone detective
3: carver crane bottom bone detective is brought to you by wilson's leather pipe cleaners because you're a man who smokes a pipe not a small child making a craft
4: yes This episode has concluded. No doubt by now your nose has bled profusely for several minutes. Well, dear listener, quell your alarm. This plasmatic reaction is quite to be expected. Though our dear Bone Detective's mystery remains as such, for the time being, I can put this bloody little conundrum to rest immediately. You see, when the human brain is exposed to such high levels of intrigue and mystique as have just been so amply provided by tonight's episode, it necessarily atrophies, and huge quantities of cells are shed in large sheet-like swaths, thus causing a torrent of the human life force to gush out the nose for untold minutes. See? No cause for concern whatsoever. Now pinch the bridge look straight up and don't move until the next episode of Carver Cranebottom Bone Detective Rude Alchemy is Mr.
3: Thomas Hodgkin, Mr. Andrew Kane, Mr. Andy Wurtner and Mr. Ryan Whelan. Carver Crane Bottom Bone Detective Story by Mr. Wertner and Mr. Kane. This episode written by Mr. Wertner, edited by Mr. Kane, featuring the voices of Rude Alchemy. Music composed by Mr. Benjamin J. Robb. For a listing of Creative Commons sound effects attributions, visit RudeAlchemy.com/slash attributions. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And finally, does 15 years of marriage really mean that little to you, Denise? I guess it does, you heartless succubus.
5: There is a new SUV that's unlike any other. It's big because you want big, but you also don't want to worry about lousy gas mileage. And with the new Skeeter SUV, that worry is a thing of the past. Thanks to new hybrid technology, you can get more miles per gallon in your big Skeeter SUV. How does it work? Easy. As you approach a wimpy little car from the rear and start to climb over it with a Skeeter's patented Action Track Suspension, a special metal tube projects from the piercing the gas tank of the car and sucking out all the gas therein. It only takes a few seconds, then you can roll right over that car and leave its empty husk behind, as nature intended. Yes, the new Skeeter is a hybrid of SUV technology and classic mosquito design. The Skeeter is definitely an itch you can scratch. Get over to your Skeeter dealer today, but hurry, get there before you see a Skeeter in your rearview mirror.